how's your training going this week or this month? Or specifically, how is your hybrid training going this week or this month? And what do I mean by hybrid training? Well, most training for the longest time has been run with people on site, people in the same room as you. And sometimes, in fact, for most of COVID, the last two years practically, we've been running training sessions virtually. Everyone's been an inch high and an inch wide. They've been on your Zoom screen or Teams screen or WebEx screen or something else. And for the first time, because I'm back training right now today in a hotel conference room, I'm conscious of the fact that we have both people on-site and off-site, virtual and live in the same room. And that's something I've not done for quite a while. So today I want to reflect on three things to consider when planning and running hybrid training. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark. It's my pleasure to welcome you to another episode of the show. If you're someone just like me, someone who trains others for a living, coaches, consults, facilitates workshops, runs programs, helping people to be the very best that they can be, and you can do so in any number of industries. If you're someone who makes a living from that and loves doing that, then this is the show for you. Every single week, whether it's an episode with guests, as has been the case recently, or as is the case today, where it's just you and I, my focus is to bring topics to you, information and inspiration to help you with your training business experience. And as I said, whether you describe yourself as a trainer or not is really academic. If you work with people, helping them to be the best that they can be, thanks to your experience, your programs, your workshops, then this is the show for you. And the reason I'm making today's episode slightly different when compared to the most recent episodes is because I am back training. Woohoo! I'm back in a hotel room with people live. But what's different this week and will be different again tomorrow is the fact that people will be both on-site and on-site offline at the same time, which is kind of strange. Now, back in 2014, kind of as an experiment and kind of for fun, I ran a joint virtual instructor-led training session, JVILT, J-V-I-L-T, with a colleague of mine, Ryan. Ryan was in Cape Town one afternoon. I was in Dublin the same afternoon. And we decided rather than just have two separate sessions for fun, we would run a live session where Ryan was training my group and I was training his group. Then we'd swap around. And we'd do this in tandem. So we'd take a break. We'd run a session where Ryan would coach or facilitate a workshop for both groups, Dublin and Cape Town. And then we'd take turns, swap around, I would do the same. And this was great fun. And that back then, we did this because we were trying to save on costs. So that training session was hybrid, necessitated by distance, but no one, no one ever envisaged a time when it would be necessitated by circumstance, which means that we're doing things these days because we have to. And I think this is a thing which will be around for a long time. In fact, it's the thing that I see quite a lot of these days when I listen to other people's training sessions. We have an element of online and offline, not just blended, but literally synchronous hybrid training where we've got people who are dialing in remotely and also 
on site at the same time. Have you done this yet? What's it been like for you? Well, it's not uncommon to run this hybrid instructor-led training, or HILT, because this is, the I think, the way things will be for quite a while to come. In today's case, I had eight people on site in a hotel conference room, and one person dialing in remotely, and that's the case today and tomorrow. And I thought there are a couple of challenges which occurred to me today, and I thought I'd share those with you, and I've written them down. The first one is, it's experimental. This model of hybrid instructor-led training, or HILT, is still experimental. Secondly, there are technological changes or challenges. And thirdly, there are inclusion challenges. So one more time, it's experimental. There are technological changes or challenges and also inclusion challenges. Let's look at those individually. So first of all, experimental. I have witnessed, I have recorded, I have observed and taken part in hybrid sessions before. I've seen no one get this right, so perhaps that's some relief to you. There's no such thing as the perfect hybrid training session or hybrid workshop. And back in episode 160, I interviewed an expert called Dave Burse. You can listen to that episode a couple of weeks ago. And Dave talks about the work that he has to do to keep people engaged because they are distracted by phones or what's happening outside the window or what's happening on social media. So there's a huge amount of work that you and I have to do, particularly when we're trying to balance attention in the room and attention of people outside the room. That's the first challenge. The second challenge is technological. This is very fast moving because you no longer get used to using one platform, then it's changed. There's a new feature, there's a new update, there's a new version whether it's Zoom or Teams or something else. And the experience of your attendees and you is dependent to a large extent on that technology, the quality of that technology, broadband speeds and stability, the quality of the camera, lighting, and perhaps distractions, noise, environment. And the third challenge is inclusion. And this is the big one for me because people still do not get the same experience. Even with the best webcam, the best technology, the best collaborative whiteboards, there still is a dichotomy or disparity between the experience that people get outside the room and the experience that get when people get when they're in the room with you. And this experience can often be substandard if someone's outside the room and something like technology or some element of the workshop does not suit them. You lose them. And of course, the consequence reflects on your evaluation, your feedback, and perhaps your reputation. So let's give you three things to think about today, okay? The first thing is to have a policy. The second thing is to have a checklist. And the third thing is to have a plan. What do I mean? Let's go through these individually. The first thing is to have a policy. So when you are marketing your training programs, your workshops, your coaching, your facilitation, you want to make it crystal clear, this is how I want this training session to run. This is the maximum number of people who can be on site. This is the maximum number of people who can be off site or at the same time. You also have to be clear in your policy about which programs will work virtually, which must be run on site and which ones can be hybrid because some elements of your existing programs, your workshops, your training sessions might be tricky to run in a virtual manner or a hybrid manner? Do you know what those are? Which ones and which aspects of those programs do you feel 
need to be run entirely on site, could be run completely virtually, or might be run in a hybrid fashion. And I'm thinking of some workshops I've run, and they're great fun, something like World Cafe, and you can look this up in Google, World Cafe. That's a very interactive, physically involving session where people physically move around a room and contribute ideas to, uh, let's say, a table, which then contributes ideas to the greater room and the exercise. That can be quite tricky to run in a hybrid manner or a virtual manner. I've not seen that done yet successfully by anyone. Perhaps you've cracked that code. I haven't. Maybe there are programs that require people to interact with physical objects in the room. I'm thinking of, say, Lego Serious Play. And you can look this up too. And I've run some exercises where I've got some kind of Soma Cube, something physical, which people need to interact with, and there's no virtual representation of that yet. So maybe you have to rethink which artifacts or objects you involve or run or use in your hybrid programs or your virtual programs. Perhaps there's something virtual which you can use instead, or perhaps that program simply will not work in a hybrid or virtual manner. If that is the case, do you have to redesign those programs? Perhaps some programs will require a physical breakout space, and that may require substantial redesign. There might be a minimal technological setup for your programs, you know, cameras on, cameras off. Perhaps you have to redesign the length of your sessions, the number of sessions or workshops in that program. So what is your policy? Are you prepared to design every program you offer? Are there some programs which, considering your reputation, you will not stand over because you don't think or believe or know? They can be delivered online or even in a hybrid manner. Have you any plans to virtualize or hybridize your workshops? You have to really think about this because this could be the way that things are for a while to come. So only you will know your programs, which of those programs are prime candidates to be hybridized or virtualized, which programs have you ring-fenced, and you believe those cannot be run to the same level of quality. If they're hybridized or virtualized, they must be run to your standard on-site. If you do decide to virtualize your programs or hybridize them, you've got to really think about how they're run, the amount of effort involved, the attention you have to pay to both parts in tandem, and that can be quite distracting, and the technological setup in terms of how it's run, because this takes a lot of planning, okay? That's the first thing to think about. Have you a clear policy about which training sessions, which workshops, which programs you're willing to run in a hybrid fashion, or a virtual fashion, or purely, strictly, as an on-site fashion, or in an on-site fashion? Which programs will require people to interact with physical objects, or may desire or require them to move around the room, uh, interact with uh, other rooms, go into other rooms, which people do. I'm thinking of negotiation training, which I've run with salespeople, where I play a game called Reds and Blues, and people actually have to physically uh, move around. And I've often run that in hotel lobbies because we have a lot of going backwards and forwards to negotiate in the middle, go back to the room, come back out again. Is that something you can run in a hybrid fashion? I would challenge you to reflect on that because my answer would be no. Perhaps there is a solution I'm not aware of, but you really have to think. If you're standing over the quality and selling 
expensive training, expensive facilitation. If people don't feel that's well done, it reflects on you. You really have to think about the quality that you're selling because that's what you're selling. Can you stand over those versions of those programs? Will they work virtually, hybrid, or purely on-site? The second thing to think about is having a checklist. And this is the thing I've alluded to. Today, I was conscious of the fact that the speakers had to be much louder than normal. I had to have a whiteboard which could be used with strong colors that people offline or uh, online, I should say, could see. I had to make sure the camera was pointing it pointing to it. So I had to be really conscious of where the camera was at all times, where I was in relation to the camera. And a couple of times I could see myself unconsciously stepping outside of the camera view, which must be really strange for someone at home or dialing in remotely because one minute they can see you and the next minute they can't. So you need some kind of checklist to say, what camera do I need? Which spares do I need? Do they bring the camera in? Do I bring the camera in? Is it... um, you know, some advanced Logitech camera or some Cisco WebEx kit camera, or is it just your inbuilt camera? Um, Will you involve a whiteboard? Will you use flip charts? What is the minimum broadband speed? What room setup do you want? And as part of this checklist, you have to share this with your client or with the hotel or the facility where you're delivering training, because this is not the same as ordinary classroom facilitation. You've got to keep in mind, you've got people offline, and people online. What time do you want people checked in online? So today we had to start the training session before the normal time of half past nine to make sure that people who are online were able to be in the room talking to the rest of us like you normally would, you know, over a cup of coffee before the training session starts. And this again has to go on the checklist. What time do you want people, do you want the client to make sure that their employees, their people taking part in your training are online and virtually involved before the training starts. You have to think also of the environment, both physically and virtually. What things do you want people to look at offline and online? Do you have to mail a copy of the presentation? And I had to do that today. In fact, no one told me that the person dialing in from um, their workplace or their home office had no copy of the presentation. So I had to mail that to them. And that's an obvious thing to overlook. If people don't have a copy of the presentation and they can't see the presentation on your screen, just what are they looking at? You have to keep that in mind. So that's on your checklist as well. And think of things like pre-work you have to share with participants in advance. Contact details of tech support, hotel or workplace in case technology fails. It happens to me all the time. Something breaks, something goes offline. Who's going to dial that person back in? You know, you have to think of all the things that could happen and have some kind of plan B if they do happen and you can't fix them or some kind of list which you can refer to to make sure they don't happen in the first place. So which steps do you have to go through for each of your hybrid sessions from now on before during and after. Technology, material, organization, people. What goes on your checklist? So just think about that before I go on to the next point. Have you a checklist written down? Have you reflected on the things that you need to do immediately after this podcast episode today to update and to ensure that your checklist reflects the requirements of both your physically present and off-site online people? because they have different requirements. What will you do to involve people to create this equality of experience, this EOE, equality of experience, so that people, when they evaluate your training, feel that you were organized 
and you consider their presence and their involvement. And this brings me to the third thing today, which is to have a plan, okay? How will you manage interaction from virtual attendees? And I have to be honest here, there was a time today, immediately after lunch, where I completely forgot that someone was dialing in. I couldn't see them. They'd switched their camera off. In the corner of my eye, all I could see was a black screen, and I completely forgot that someone was looking at me and listening to me. And until that person spoke up, did I realize that they were still there? So you really have to have a plan. How will you consciously ensure that this doesn't happen? How will you bring people into the room, even when they're not physically in the room? How will you manage interactions so that the people in the room are conscious of people outside the room? How will you run exercises that work for both on-site people and off-site people? And one thing I've worked today, it worked very well, and this was someone else's idea, not mine, is to have a buddy system where someone volunteers to be the avatar or the on-site representation of that person offline. They will bring their questions into the room. They will uh, vocalize or verbalize what the other person said. It may be in chat, which is fine. You can put this on the screen. Or it could be where someone volunteers to be the voice of that person who's offline. If the speaker works very well, it sometimes doesn't, particularly in large groups, you might be able to have that person speak. But if not, and they can't be heard, you perhaps want to have someone in the room who is their online avatar, or rather offline avatar, in the room, talking as if they are the person, representing them, uh, verbalizing their questions, and making the points that they make, perhaps. And that works very well, where one guy today volunteered and agreed to be the person representing the person who is away from the training session. Now, it doesn't always work because sometimes people in the room feel, well, you know, this is my training session too. But if you've got someone who's willing to do that, it really makes a difference. So check in with them. Is that something they're willing to do? What's the plan to involve them so their training experience is not overlooked where they're just all the time focused on the person outside the room? So what do you do to actually ensure no one is distracted by this balancing act of offline and online? And back in episode 137, I interviewed an expert called Cassie Labori, who wrote a book a couple of years ago called Producing Virtual Training, Meetings and Webinars, Master the Technology to Engage Participants. One more time, Cassie Labori's book, I highly recommend this by the way, Producing Virtual Training, Meetings and Webinars, Master the Technology to Engage Participants. So I'm thinking of, say, let's say three years ago when the huge overwhelming bulk of my training was just ILT, live synchronous ILT in the classroom, me on site, in an office, in some hotel conference room, that kind of thing. But now I have to think differently. I have to plan ahead, think of the technology. I have to familiarize myself with a range of platforms, Loom, Zoom, WebEx, maybe something like Miro or Mural or Jamboard. And you have to familiarize yourself with those technologies so you're not fumbling around looking foolish when you're required to use something, perhaps a virtual collaborative whiteboard, for example. So that's a distraction. And what Cassie talks about in her book is this balancing act. And often the necessity is to have someone who's managing the, the chat and the technology for you so you can focus on the learning, the coaching, the facilitation. That's something to think of. 
And that's something perhaps to think of when, as a training business owner, as a facilitator who makes money from this, think of the quality of experience that you sell. Think of the quality of experience which people expect. Can you really run the virtual and the physical at the same time? Or is it actually worthwhile, because of your reputation, to bring someone in to do this virtually? And I know people have done this. They actually hire a virtual assistant for the day who will run the the chat and the virtual side of things to work with the people who are virtual and then also help you to manage the room where people are physically on site. So that's things something to think of. Is that something you want to do? Is there a cost factor to that? Yes, there is, of course. But the, the downside of not doing that is that people then feel, well, I didn't get as much as the people in the room got, and therefore I'm not happy with this training. It reflects in your evaluation. Also in your plan, training plan, you've got to ensure that there are moments when conversations are directed to everyone outside the room and in the room, both on-site and off-site. So you've got to remind the people in the room that there's someone outside the room and to please involve them, which might mean reminding them to look at the camera now and again, to raise their voices now and again, to ensure they're closer to the laptop or the camera or the microphone. And this is why technology is so key. That's that's step two, which is having the checklist. And today, something else which cropped up was air conditioning. I'm kind of unconscious of air conditioning at the best of times because it's in my hotel room right now. Perhaps you can hear the buzz. It was in the conference room today, but it really distracts when people have this buzzing sound coming across their microphones or their laptops. So having a plan to ensure the environment works, the technology works, the training experience works, ensuring that the activities and the exercises work, this is your plan. Thinking of who can help you manage that experience for people online and offline, having a buddy system to ensure that there is equality of experience so that people offline and online get more or less as near as can be the best possible coaching, facilitation, training experience from you and your program. So what is your plan today? Just think about this for a second. What is your plan? Having heard those three points, planning, checklisting, okay, planning, checklisting, and ensuring a policy, what is your plan to hybridize, to virtualize your training, your programs? Which programs are candidates for hybridization or virtualization? What do you have to do to ensure technology and other things like that are the standard which helps you to run the session that you need to for the people that need that session? And what is the plan to actually ensure there's a balance of activity, engagement, interactivity for people who are both online and offline? You're the trainer, you're the facilitator, they're your programs, your standards, your reputation. If it's to be, it's up to me. So think about that and let me know your thoughts. Please subscribe because the podcast costs you nothing. It costs you nothing to subscribe and it's great validation for me and my team, James and Sam. We love to know what you find value in. You can please, you can drop me a line anytime. That's mark at trainingbusiness.com. I love to hear your ideas, suggestions for podcast episodes. Email me personally. I reply individually and discreetly. If you've got questions which you'd like me to answer, please do. I'm happy to do that, mark at trainingbusiness.com. But please keep those ideas coming. I'm finding this experience of being back in the training room quite exciting. Uh, It's great to be back. I can see how my enthusiasm 
is different today. I find often a lot of virtual sessions can be a bit draining, but also training sessions on-site can be draining, but for, for different reasons. It's a nice kind of tiredness, and I feel I'm still buzzing from today's session. How about you? Is that something you've you've felt recently? Have you found yourself back in the classroom training? What are your thoughts? Please drop me a line, mark at trainingbusiness.com. Please tell other people about the podcast. If you know someone who is in the world of training, facilitation, coaching, who's running a business, making a living from this, please share the podcast with them. If you know people who are thinking of making a career change and joining the rest of us in the world of training, coaching, and facilitating, then perhaps you could recommend the podcast to them. I'm all the time really looking for ideas to ensure the podcast is helpful. So please reach out again, mark at trainingbusiness.com and you'll find episodes of the show on your podcast platform of choice and also on our website, which is trainingbusiness.com. Until next Thursday, when I look forward to your company again, keep training, keep coaching, keep facilitating and keep loving what you do as I do too. Until next week, bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.